Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Well, good morning. So it's just a privilege to be here and to be speaking this morning. It's um, the uh, uh, anniversary, the first year of the anniversary of my father's death, and you're going to be hearing a great story about him, as well as it was about 12 years ago that Gordon and I decided to make C3 Church our home. And um, I particularly love long weekends because people come expecting. So thank you for being here, and thank you for making Uh, church a priority on this long weekend. So over the summer, we have had a variety of speakers uh, sharing their stories. And it's not just about meeting people and getting to know people, but it's really about seeing Jesus through their lens. And when I think of lenses, I think of uh, microscopes and I think of telescopes. And what they do is they enlarge, they magnify, and they get into the detail. So uh, you can imagine at my age, I have a few stories I could tell, but I'm actually gonna be focusing on those stories in my life where God was magnified, where he was made big, really, really big. So, um, you know, first we, before we start, um, uh, can you just pray with me, please? Thank you. So Father God, I just thank you for today. And I thank you for every person that's here. And I know they've come for a purpose. And I know you have prepared something specific for them to receive. So, Lord, we just open our hearts now to receive what you have. And, Father, we just magnify you in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we might as well uh, start at the beginning. And uh, I have a picture of myself when I was 18 months old. I was born Joanne Marie Jorgensen, and um, I was the fifth of seven children. So at, at this picture, I have a 12-year-old brother, I have a, an 11-year-old sister, I have a 10-year-old brother, and I have a 7-year-old sister. So for some reason, they thought this was a Kodak moment. And let me tell you what happened. So it was bedtime. You can see I've got my cute little PJs on. But I decide that it's time for my mother's amazing Hershey chocolate, double chocolate chip cookies. So they tell me, no, it's time for bed. I pull the chair away from the table, climb up on the chair, climb up on the table, and grab my cookie. Well, my understanding is the cookie was removed, my bum was swatted, and I got put back on the floor. But this happened several times until I won sweet victory, I get the cookie, and a sore bum. So the point of this story is that even at 18 months, we will go to great lengths to get our desires met. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about two brothers in the word that went to great lengths to get their desires met. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and I just want to give you some context for this morning's message. 
It says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. So this is Jesus telling a story, and there are sinners there. There are tax collectors, and there's Pharisees. And in the book of Luke, chapter 15, there are three stories that are told. There's the story of the lost sheep, a story of a lost coin, and, of course, the lost son. And now we're going to jump down to verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal actually means recklessly extravagant. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a, to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine, the pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So the younger son demands his inheritance, and as we all know, that was like saying you're dead. But what would have had to have happened was the father would have had to liquidate his assets in order to do that. And the majority of his assets would have been in land. And he would have given two-thirds to the elder brother and one-third to the younger brother. So not only was he saying that his father was dead, but likewise, the community would have viewed this son as dead. Not only did he dishonor and disrespect his father, but it was an entire community and their traditions. So in their minds, he was dead. You know, we experience death throughout our lives, but I have heard that one of the worst deaths someone can experience, especially as a parent, is to lose a child. When I was uh, five years old, um, there was great joy in our ho household. As I mentioned, I was the fifth of seven, and my mother gave birth to twins, twin boys, two sons. Now, and she named them James and John. Original, I know, I know. So James was born, and he was very healthy, robust, and John was a very gentle spirit, but he had a heart condition. So at 18 months, he went to the Mayo Clinic, and he had open-heart surgery. It was a very uh, rare, in fact, he was the first one to have that procedure done at 18 months. He survived the surgery, but unfortunately, um, he uh, passed away shortly after. And uh, so my parents were in Rochester, of course, at the Mayo Clinic, and they took care of the details at the hospital, and then they began their journey home. It was a three-hour drive to our family home. When my parents arrived at 3 a.m., the five of us were all waiting up. And my parents sat us around the kitchen table, and they said basically two things to us in between the tears and the grief and the morning, they said, we don't know why this happened. We don't have the answers. But the one thing that we do know is that God is good. 
God was magnified at seven, year old, at seven years old. He was magnified in my life. The one thing that I know is when tragedy comes, God remains the same, but we either maximize and magnify him or we minimize him. Back to the parable. So the son runs away. He's lost. And earlier, Jesus speaks of the lost sheep and the lost coin and now a lost son. Well, those that were listening were waiting to hear who is going to look for the lost son. Let's continue with verse 17. But when he came to himself or his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise, and I'll go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So the son runs out of money, and he's hungry, and he wants to come home. So he's rehearsing what he's going to say to his father in order to get what he wants. There was a time when I rehearsed what I was going to say when uh, I had a conversation with my father because I wanted my way. Uh, Gordon and I were married on um, November 17th. I think we have a picture of our wedding day. It was 17 degrees Celsius. I know we haven't changed a bit, have we, honey? No. <laughs> it was 17 degrees Celsius in Minnesota. And Gord's family tra traveled from Saskatchewan, and it was minus 30 when they left. And they all piled into this motorhome, cranked up the heater, and it was the heater was working so hard that Gord's uncle Frank had these rubber-soled shoes, and he melted them on the heater. It was the same shoes he wore to our wedding. <laughs> so um, things were going well. In, in, um, the, the wedding was beautiful, and it was a balmy day. And then we moved to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where Gord was finishing his degree at the View of S. And we lived on Cumberland Avenue. So if anybody knows Saskatoon, you know where Cumberland Avenue is. So November passed, and December came. Now, December 21st really came. It was winter. And it did not get, up, get above minus 18 degrees Celsius without the wind chill for many weeks. It went to minus 20, minus 30, minus 35, minus 40, and it crept into January. Now, January is the month of my birthday. Celebrate for a whole month. And so I knew my dad and my mother would be phoning to wish me a happy birthday. So I rehearsed what I was going to say so that my dad would agree we should not be living in this kind of climate. Now, I know you're all thinking, oh, come on, Joanne, you grew up in Minnesota. But for the last four years, I had been going to university in Nebraska, and it's on the same latitude as Northern California. So the week before my wedding, my dad took me shopping. And he bought me the biggest, fluffiest, warmest goose down coat he could find. He knew me well. So my dad phones and he says, happy birthday, Joanne. 
how's it going? And I started to weep and wail. And I said, surely I've been brought here to die. <laughs> we can't live here. We just can't. I've made a terrible mistake. So this was my father's response. Joe, you're my daughter. You will always be my daughter no matter where you live. But my daughter would never quit so quickly. And you're not, no longer a Jorgensen. You're a Canon. <laughs> and he hung up the phone. <laughs> well, thank goodness for a, a man that had wisdom that could speak truth into my life. We stayed in Saskatchewan. But the thing was, my God need to, needed to be magnified in that, in that place, not my desires. We stayed in Saskatchewan, and my faithful and ever-patient <laughs> husband and I will be celebrating 33 years of marriage this fall. So we're going to continue on to verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. Can't you just hear the whining? But the father doesn't even let him finish. He just says to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let it eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. So the father runs to meet him. And we already know culturally that would have been unacceptable. But he says, put the best robe on him. Well, that would have been the father's robe. And that would have said, instantly restored to the family. And then he says, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. That was representing honor and position. And the father invites him to a feast with meat. So that was rarely done. That was only reserved for special occasions, the meat. And he would have invited the entire community so they could have received him back in. So the father in this story represents God, and God's a big God, and his love can pardon, it can restore, and it can forgive any wrongdoing. We can't earn it. We can't manipulate our way back in. It's called grace, and it's called our inheritance. I want to share another story with you about grace and inheritance. So a few years after we were married, uh, Gordon and I, both being from large families, decided it was time that we start our own family. And um, I think we had fig figured it out, how it happens and how it's done, but it just wasn't happening as fast as we thought it should. So we went to the doctor, and sure enough, the doctor confirmed that without medical intervention, it would be impossible for Gordon and I to have biological children. So for the next eight and a half, nine years, we did all of the right things to have uh, children uh, as far as from the medical perspective. But God. 
And then a word came to us, a prophetic word about adoption. And instantly we knew this is God's plan for our lives. So it wasn't shortly after that, and our daughter was born, and we were given a beautiful daughter, Victoria, through adoption. And then when she was two and a half years old, she came to us and said, thought I should tell you I just started praying for a little brother. <laughs> well, sure enough, nine months later, uh, Blake was born and given to us through adoption. This is a picture of our children. So we, as well as our children, experience the unconditional love and inheritance of adoption by our Heavenly Father. Our God was magnified in that circumstance. But there's more to the story, so let's keep going. Verse 25. Now remember, the father had two sons. Now his older son was in the field, and he came, and he drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo. So you know what that lo means? It's like, hey, you. These many years I have been serving you, I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might be merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours not my brother, as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf. So the older brother responds by refusing to attend the probably the most expensive, significant event that the father has hosted in a very, very long time. He references the cost by comparing the goat to the calf. But the cost is even greater that we, than we know because by inviting the son back into the family, the son is an heir again. So even the very thought of the father coming out of the party and leaving his guests to plead with him would have been disgraceful. He would have never done that. So if the father represents God and the younger son represents the tax collectors and the sinners, the older son represents the Pharisees. And you know, we can have Pharisees in the church today. Those are people that we're very proud of keeping all of the rules. We're very proud of our moral record but when things don't go the way we think they should in our world, we think we deserve better because of the things that we've done. We make our God very small. I want to share another story with you about an elder brother attitude in my life. 
So as I mentioned, Gord and I made our home here at C3 Calgary about 12 years ago. And for the first five, six years, we served and volunteered, and we still do, but wherever, wherever was needed, because we just loved the house. And then one day, Pastor Lauren came to me and invited me on to staff to be his personal assistant. That was in February. And in November, I was diagnosed with cancer. Now, I'll, re I'll never forget the day because uh, Pastor Lauren came over to our home. And we are, uh, we're sitting there, and um, I looked at him, and I said, so, is this what I deserve? How's that for a loaded question? It was the last house call he ever made. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> In his wisdom, he was silent. He didn't answer. But through the next several months, God healed me, and he healed parts of me that I didn't even know were broken. And um, he revealed to me a love that I had never experienced, and an intimacy that I did not know was even possible. God was magnified in that circumstance. So let's continue with the parable and see how the father responds to the elder brother's pride in verse 31. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So literally everything that the father would have owned would have been owned now by the elder son, and he would have been living on his estate. But basically the father is saying, I love your younger brother, and I love you, but I'm not going to choose. The choice is actually yours. And you know, we're left hanging. We don't actually know if the brother was too prideful and stayed outside or if he went in and joined the feast. But both of these sons' motives were wrong. Not only do we need to repent of the things that we've done, but we also need to repent for the motive, which is trying to save ourselves. The love of God can't be earned. It's already been paid for at a great cost with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was done before you could beg or feel guilty, before you could try and manipulate or control, before you could do good works and try and earn your way. He died for your past, present, and future in order that you could be invited to the feast. Once we experience the unearned love of the Father, our lives are transformed. And it's out of that place that we give generously. It's out of that place that we forgive. It's out of that place that we love extravagantly because our God is so big. He's so very, very big. And I would just say that if my life is not transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I probably don't fully understand it. I just want to welcome the worship team back up. You know, I've lived in Canada now for over 30 years, and there are times when I just long to go back to Minnesota. 
I, I just want to go home. So I go back to Minnesota, and I have a wonderful time, and then I just long to come home to Calgary. And I think it's because God has put in each one of us a desire to be home. And it doesn't matter whether I'm in the United States or, with, when I'm, or if I'm in Canada. We all have this desire to be home. And it's interesting because I've had so many people say, you know what, C3 Calgary feels like home. But you can feel at home at a country club if it's just about people. It's about experiencing the love of God. And that's why people love this place and like to call it home. But no matter if you have ran or whether you've looked elsewhere or tried to earn your way back by doing all the right things, it's about relationship. And God has opened the door for relationship, not just with him, but with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And we get to have relationship until we are face to face with him again, and we get to experience the fullness of his love and his bigness. Isaiah describes home in chapter 25 like this. But here on this mountain, God of the angel armies will throw a feast for all the people of the world, a feast of the finest foods, a feast from vintage wines, a feast of seven courses, a feast lavish with gourmet desserts. And here on this mountain, God will banish the pall of doom hanging over all peoples, the shadow of doom darkening all nations. Yes, he will banish death forever. And God will wipe the tears away from every face. He'll remove every sign of disgrace from his people wherever they are. Yes, God says so. God is inviting you to his feast. Will you please stand with me? So this morning, we're just going to pray right where you're standing um, corporately, I'm going to say a prayer, and you're just going to repeat after me. Um, and then after we, we pray, the worship team has kindly said that they would lead us into uh, another song. And then we'll open up the altar so that if there's additional prayer that you would like, specific areas of prayer that you would like prayer for, and then we will come back up and close the service off. So, you know, um, some of you this morning could relate to the younger brother. You have ran elsewhere to get your desires met. And other, others of you have been in the church all your lives. And you could relate to the elder brother. And you've kept all the rules, right? So this morning, with every head bowed and eyes closed, please, if you could relate to either the younger brother or the older brother, I just want you to shoot your hand up this morning, and we're just going to pray right where you are. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you. So, church, can you just repeat after me? Father God, 
thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for never giving up on me. This morning, I ask you to forgive me for trying to save myself through manipulation, control, and doing good things. But in this moment, Lord, I receive your unconditional love. I receive your unearned mercy and grace. And I look forward to the feast that you have prepared for me. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're just going to go into a, a short song uh, with worship, and then I'll come back up and we'll invite uh, the prayer ministry to come forward, and then we'll close off the service. We hope this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.